Welcome back to System Interview, the podcast where we have issues with our ISP. This is Brent. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Peyton. I sincerely wish I had those few seconds before we started on tape, because Jathan was talking about... I don't know why he even brought it up. Colden Golden Shower. Oh my yeah. god. He was talking and about... there's another drink for that one. Like, basically having someone pee cold... What was it you said? Having someone pee cold pee onto you? Yeah. <sighs> And I pointed yeah, you know, out, and sometimes it gets cold. I pointed out the only way you'd have someone successfully urinate cold urine onto you would be if they're dead and they're evacuating the bladder. And then he just kind of closes it out with, "Well, that changes the crime entirely." And I'm not <laughs> sure what he meant by that, and I'm not I sure I want to know. It was clearly a joke. Law enforcement officers, please <laughs> refrain from contacting me. Gonna, there have been no cold and golden showers here. They're gonna. They're gonna Ever. find some. I feel like I need to make that the episode title now. Cold Cold and golden <laughs> showers. Yeah. Colden. Since I just totally made it up. Yeah, I know. Wait, wait, wait. What is then it? You is keep it? saying. Golden, golden. Yes. Maybe you That's should just make it. it something about B discs, so people actually might click it. Maybe you should shut up. Well, I mean, they might be into cold, golden showers. I don't know. Colden. Oh, please. Colden. Oh. Colden. It's not cold golden, it's cold It doesn't golden. really work if it's just cold golden. So it's cold I mean, and this, golden. This is j we're talking about here. So, yeah. You know. Dude, that would be an amazing name. If I ever open a brewery, my first amber ale is going to be called cold and golden. Remind me not to shop there, please. Dude, you'd get so much free beer from me. Not if it's called cold and golden. Yeah, but nobody would get it except you. I don't want to get it. <laughs> you already do, though. I peaked a couple times there, so... Congratulations, Shut you're up. a part of an exclusive club. Shut oh my gosh. Up. Anyways, so tonight, <laughs> tonight we've got an episode where we talk about B-Disc. And B-Disc. B-Disc is a Python program I wrote that builds live CDs, live USBs, it has iPixie support, and all sorts of good stuff. And I think that's really it, aside from, you know, the normal segments like news and all that. So we'll start off with, what are you guys drinking? I announced today that it is now gin season, so typically I drink a lot of beer and whiskey in the winter, and in the summer I tend to reach for gin or sometimes vodka, but usually gin, Uh, simple martini, gin and tonic, whatever. I am now trying a new gin I've never had before. It is okay, but it's certainly not my favorite. It is from Breckenridge Distillery. And if you recall, they make my favorite bourbon. Yeah, you so, have such a hard on for them. Yeah. Really well, does. no, that's actually not true. I mean, so the honest bourbon, truth is, so. I really like their bourbon. I think their bourbon is fantastic. Mm. Other than their bourbon, though, everything else I've tried from them, I haven't liked really. Hmm. And this gin is not much of an exception. Really? So the best distillery in my opinion, that I've ever experienced is actually Vapor Distillery, which is in Boulder. And almost all of their spirits that they have, they have gin, they have vodka, they have ginski, which is like a whiskey barrel aged gin. Ew. Has all won like a significant amount of awards. Really? Ginski? And they are working on an American single malt, a bourbon, and a rye. And if it's at all comparable to Breck bourbon or even better, I will probably just drink it because I honestly, I love the people that work there. I always have a really good time when I go there. And the only thing I really like from Breckenridge Distillery so far is the bourbon. Wow. That was a really long answer. Was, what are you drinking? That was. I know. But now you guys know all about my preferences. So either... When you would like oh to support gosh. me, nope, send sorry. me Breckenridge nope, Bourbon definitely not. or send me Vapor Distillery's Gin. Definitely not. Oh 
was such a long answer. Peyton, that what are you drinking? Seriously. Uh, Irishman's whiskey. Hey, guess what? I don't want any more of it. So <laughs> There you go. I've been feeling under the weather today, so I'm just drinking a green tea. Uh, and you probably hear it a little bit in my voice. Lame. I probably sound a little bit stuffed up. So I apologize, listeners. But I'm trucking through, and we're going to do this, right? We're going to do it. Yeah, buddy. High energy. Fucking high energy. Whole season's got to be high energy. That's right. <laughs> That's like our tagline for season two. All right. So Should let's. Be. Can it be? Well, the previous two seasons didn't have any tagline. So I don't. And we're also like. What, like, this is our fifth episode? Sixth episode we of get, this We can edit those, three, it's fine. So. It's I, fine. It's fine. Well, it's fine. No, no, because I, I don't... <laughs> where would we even put the taglines? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, let's let's jump into news. Let's keep this rolling. Yeah, jump, jump news. Into news. News, I news, love it. news. This is paid with the news. Da, 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 da. Okay, right. Uh, okay, what we've got here is... So, first things first, we have a news article. The end, There's some inmates in a prison, and I see now it was... Which, oh, it was an Ohio prison, and there was some lax supervision, and the inmates actually built a computer out of spare parts, or several computers out of spare parts, and then hooked it up to the network. And that was fine. <laughs> that was okay with them. And they used it, and actually, they've people have been saying that they actually have a pretty decent knowledge of networking and computers, and so... Hopefully that can apply that to, oh, wait, they're in prison, never mind. That's still, next, that's still <laughs> kind of cool, though. It kind yeah, of makes absolutely. me think of, like, LAN parties and dorm rooms, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the next bit of news we have is that the Apple MacBook is no longer considered the best laptop due to premium pricing and limited options. It's dropped to fifth place in a survey of the best and worst current laptop brands by Laptop Mag. The first one, the, the one that took the top spot, was actually uh, Lenovo, which is kind of cool. Hmm. They have three different ThinkPads that last more than 17 hours on a charge. So that's kind of cool. Uh, I know someone at work who's kind of upset about that, but hey, whatever. <laughs> I don't really care. The next little bit here is we have a 1986 bulletin board system that was brought back to life, brought the old web back to life in 2017. There was a computer. Let's see now. It was a this guy named David Lightman found a system and brought it back online, and, and it's it's up and running. So we'll now, did he? Did he? Mm-hmm. I know that there's like one or two BBS software out there that allow you to hook into ethernet as well did he use one of those or is it actually on like you know copper line telephone number kind of a thing mm, here. uh looks like he used the raspberry pi possibly okay so so it's probably ethernet yeah probably which is weird because he's probably using the the raspberry pi to bridge to ethernet rather than just shoving it well no the let's see now he's using uh it's a CFFA 3000. It's a modern peripheral for Apple II computers that adds a mass storage using flash media that can be reused to replace floppy disks and hard disks. For Skip, it's a valuable alternative to the original 32 megabyte hard drive he had with his original setup and those 3.5 inch diskettes. He is using a modem. It's being limited to 4,800 bits per second. Oh my God. With this CFFA 3000, mm-hmm. he's getting a lot, his IO is a lot faster despite the board. Being limited to that for a four mentioned forty eight hundred bits per second, so it is he is actually using like an Apple II, or so that's this is actually pretty cool, hmm. honestly. I have been seeing a lot of chatter in general about BBS is coming back. Yeah, so that'd be an interesting thing if they pull that off. Well, Reddit's pretty popular, and I mean it's not not quite a BBS, but it's you know that that style of forum where you just have like a you know the ability to just you know post and comment 
I think that's you know it's a good it's a good format. So yeah. I'd be happy to see BBSs actually come back. Really, I don't know. I, I I get what you're saying, and I partially agree, but I really hesitate to to put the label of BBS on anything that isn't actual. Yeah, I, I was, which is weird because Arch calls their forums the BBS, but yeah. So the next bit of news is we have hackers have released or found or leaked the NSA's top secret arsenal of digital weapons. Uh, Snowden tweeted about this, and while you may or may not agree with Edward Snowden, uh, he generally does find some good stuff mm-hmm. occasionally. Uh, this is a big deal. It's uh, showing, actually, that uh, some of the stuff's been actually in use uh, on people. We don't really report politics here, so we're not going to talk about you know people being monitored. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I have to say about that. And Although then, I will I will say that this is why we we say yeah. that you shouldn't write these tools and demand that they be written because eventually they right. leak. Right, <laughs> so. right, right, right. I mean that's the thing. Like like the whole FBI thing. I mean that's yeah. one of the things we said was, you know, if the FBI has this, it's going to leak and and someone nefarious is going to get a hold of it and we're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. All right, so the next bit of news here is that Facebook has failed to protect 30 million users from having their data harvested by a Trump campaign affiliate. So talk about privacy, you know, I just... How did they is, How did they go about that? Was it, was it through, like, the Facebook API or something? Uh, so it was posted by Global Science Research, and mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a task. So, like, you could, like, do a job, like, flag what? pornographic images or dig through the search engine results for email addresses. And oh. it pays between a dollar and 15 cents, or one and 15 cents. So, so it, was, it was like a, like, what's the Amazon thing? Mechanical Turk? Mechanical Turk. Yeah, it was like one yeah, of those? Turkey. Turkey. Yeah, it's Turkey. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That's all it really was, you know? That's astounding. So, yeah, yeah. And so, well... On Amazon, so this is about Amazon Web Services initially. Here, our terms of service terms of service clearly prohibit misuse. Yeah, well, so, what do they call misuse. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. So then, 2014, some of the workers noticed the Global Science Research app appeared to be taking advantage of Facebook's porousness. Someone can learn everything about you. Yeah, so it was just turking is all it really was. Oh, my gosh. Which, I, you know, this is why you don't put anything on Facebook. Yeah, you know? yeah. So then the next bit of news, the last bit of news we have is that Mark Shuttleworth is going to return to Canonical as the CEO. And more than 80 workers are facing the axe uh, as he comes back aboard. It looks like he's going to try to right that ship. Yeah. An external assessment of his company by potential new financial backers. Found overstaffed staffing and projects that lacked focus. They've never had a project that lacked focus. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Not, You're right. They've not... never had something that you could call a project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've... It's never. <laughs> they've had half-baked ideas that lacked focus. Pew, 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 pew. Boy. Yeah, but I mean, wow. like, mirror, upstart. Yeah. I don't. Right. We yeah, were we talking have... about it in the channel today. Yeah. And, and yeah, they've. The Ubuntu phone? Oh, gosh, Oh, yeah. man. That had promise. I remember looking at that back in... No, it had hype. I don't well, know yeah, about it, promise, yeah, but it definitely had hype. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's their problem. They were really kind of hyping things. Well, they're very without good Without really... Yeah, yeah. Their hype machine is pretty great, but they don't yeah. have the re- like the developing resources to, to back up the hype they were generating. So then it would right. take like five years... For the release of it, if it did get released, and then it turns out it was crap anyways, and yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I I don't know, whatever. Like Canonical does some awesome things for the Linux adoption rate and stuff like that, but that's yeah. I mean, true. shoot, they're and, and they do. Go ahead. I was gonna say they're the ones that got Bash incorporated into Windows. Yeah, 
You know, I mean, they've done they've done quite a bit, but I think it's too little, too late. You know, realistically. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I have mixed feelings about Canonical at this point. I'd say. Yeah. What were saying, Jason? I was just gonna say, like, they also do. I don't know if they still do, but they have done a fair bit of like bringing computing resources to like impoverished people and stuff like that as well. For yeah. maybe like. There was a period where they did that. They didn't, they haven't really, I mean, that was one of their projects and of all of the projects they've done that had a, a moderate amount of success, but I wouldn't call it a, a booming success comparatively or, or objectively. You're talking about OLPC, right? I don't know if that was a, an Ubuntu thing. I know no, they, was, they, they play deeply into it. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about any specific effort. I think just in general for a long time, I remember them sort of saying like, oh, we're doing these things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's kind of how they cut their teeth, I guess, and really kind of entered the big arena. But that's not really, I, I don't know. I wouldn't really call that their claim to fame so much or their speciality. No, no. And I didn't really say that. Yeah, I, I, I know. But like the project wasn't really even those types of projects in general, uh, because besides OLPC, I think there were like one or two others or I'm still not entirely sure how it played out. If it was all OLPC and then just subdelegated or whatever. Yeah, like OLPC and Sugar, what was it? Sugar OS, whatever it was called. Yeah, I don't know. Didn't really take off. Like one would expect it to. So, I don't know. Is yeah, that it? It didn't. No. Yeah, that's it for the news. Okay, cool. Yep, that's it. Oh, and Hackathon. Or not Hackathon. Uh, Jathan's Hackathon. Yeah, Jathan, you want to you wanna plug it again? No. Plug it. Plug <laughs> it Applications more. closed. Teams are selected. Oh! Applications oh, are closed. Yeah? You, really? you filled all the uh, all the slots you were trying to fill? Did somebody join that we uh, talked about previously? No. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> So we are, I think, still sort of lacking in a few areas, but I think that the combination of people that we do have and the resources that we as BioFrontiers IT are going to be able to throw at the event, I think we're going to be in an okay place. Plus, administratively, even if you don't have all the people you need, you still need a point to cut it off and say, like, look, we can't accept anything further because, you know. Yeah, I mean, realistically, if someone were willing to book last minute and wanted to come still, I'm sure we'd try to make it happen, but... Mm -hmm. I mean, let's not For forget the most part, that you invited me to join. What? What? It, it was a joke, Pace. Oh. I don't want you to come out. Oh, oh okay. All right. Because I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was a joke. Then you're going to try this bourbon. You're going to know how good it oh is. Oh, my God. It's like, it is just a whole thing, man, you know? Hey, you know you know what's funny is I'm looking at the OLPC uh, wiki site, and they yeah. have Coffee Anon and Jeff Sox visiting students, and Bronsasso Ghana. Gazoo-tite. Yeah, right. But what? Jeff Sachs and Coffee Anon, you know, Coffee Anon's the guy who had the 13-year-old army or whatever. The name sounds really familiar, but it's not ringing a bell at the moment. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck the 13, you're talking about. The 13-year-old right kids in his army or whatever. Yeah, the 13-year-old kids. The young kids in his army. Oh! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the actual army you're talking about. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's it's right. it's coming back to me a little bit. Wow. That's weird. Oh, wait. Maybe not. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's weird know. that he'd be part of a... He's a Ghanaian diplomat who served as the seventh secretary general of the United Nations. I am wrong. Never mind. Yeah, I was... I don't know. I wonder where I'm recognizing the name from that. Uh, yeah, that's got to be it. That's all I can think of. Huh. Anyways. Anywho. So, B-Disc. So, B-Disc. all B -disc. three of us from B-Disc. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> the system sure is not down because this is B disc and B disc doesn't go down. B disc doesn't go down. Oh my god! Can't take B disc down. B disc goes down more than a broken palm date. <clears throat> you calm down. Oh, so, up. <laughs> okay. Okay. Shut okay. up. 
So it's my understanding that all three of us have built for this episode at least one ISO, right? Yes. I built two. Great. But at least one, right? Yes. Jathan? Yes. Two uh, is greater than one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what, you had to check? <laughs> Wait, really? You... you... You had to do the math in your head there, bud, or what? <laughs> he was he was like giving like a, a verbal proof. Like he had to I actually I had to write a quick Python loop to check <laughs> it or something. If two right. greater if, than if one. statement. Yeah. <laughs> if Print B disk in all capital letters. <laughs> oh my god. Oh gosh. Anyways. Kill yeah, me. so we all we all built an image. I mm-hmm. sort of run like I obviously I wrote the project for a reason, and that's because I keep my own copy of a rescue system. So that one's way more complete. So, and so way wait more a second, wait a second. Yes, I'd actually like you to explain why you made B disk. Well, yes. I'm, yeah, I, well, it says in the docs, Jason. But I know, but not everyone here wants to read your novel. <laughs> it's, Seriously, it's a, it's it's a, a lot, lot of docs. information. It's... it's a lot of documentation. So I just want a thirty second description. Tell us why you made B disk. Yeah, loved Cisresk, but hated that it didn't do everything I needed to, and got okay. sick and tired of remastering Cisresk. So I decided to make my own live CD and I needed a way to rebuild that live CD and then I needed a way to make it more flexible and then I made B-Disc. Oh, okay. That's it. I mean, that's that was what, like five seconds, ten seconds? It's better than nothing. <laughs> I don't think it's been more time on that. But... Well, hold on. I'm building into it here. Oh. And now I forgot my, my place because Jathan interrupted me. I know, right? What a turd. What was I? That could be my superhero <laughs> name. Jathan, the interrupter. I kind of feel like it's well suited because you do you do that. He does it so well. Built images, right? Okay, so I, as part of why I wrote it in the first place, I keep my own personal rescue based image that has a lot of features. You know, it, it VPNs back to me automatically. It has SSH enabled with my yeah, root never put his it. live cd <laughs> in your computer. Yeah. By the way, yeah. If I if I give you a link to the image, you better hope it's because you want me to have root access to a machine for like remote assistance or something because otherwise I'm, I'm getting root access so it's got a couple tweaks there and i outlined how to do a lot of them in the bdisk manual so if you want to do something similar it's in there which is extensive it is, is extensive. extensive but for this episode i decided it, it wouldn't be fair to just kind of coast on that because i have a lot of experience building that particular type of image so i wanted to try something different so the image i built and i can try and make it available for upload are you guys able to to give your images available for upload too i'm not gonna lie i actually don't still have mine okay <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, so would you, would you... and I'll explain why then and stuff. But... Okay, got it. I had issues with mine, so I'll yeah, be we'll we'll talk we'll talk about those too. And okay. there were there were some issues. If I get a, a fully functional working image, and I fully fully intend to, I will definitely make it available for anyone because I plan on making some some changes to it to, for specific rescue purposes. Cool. Versus, you know, well, in that case, the nice thing about that is we don't even need to distribute the actual ISO. We could just right. tarball up your overrides directory and your build configuration, and okay. they can build it themselves. Right. But I'll of course talk more about that in a little bit on as well. So for mine, I wanted to do a quick proof of concept okay still based around the whole rescue idea and do not i'll say this again do not use this in a production environment at least not without some heavy firewalling because what it does is it boots up and then searches for all file system partitions that it can mount and then it will mount them and then share them directly over rsync so it's very handy in a rescue situation but if that system's connected to the internet everybody on the internet (laughs) 
now has access to your Etsy shadow on the on the live system. Oh so that's why I say be really careful with how you use it. And like I said, it's more of a proof of concept rather than something meant to be actually used. But hopefully it should give you some ideas on how to use B-Disc to uh, create something like that. So I'll have the build, everything you need to create that build, tarballed up somewhere. What about you guys? What did you what did you end up building? I built the default, which I mean is really nifty. The, uh, the startup, I like the little the little smiley face. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, the way it loads in and everything that's pretty cool. Honestly, it's and then at that point, I mean, you're pretty much you're presented with Arch Linux, mm-hmm. you know, with the default, and I I like that because you know it's pretty nifty. I've used other tools, other tools built, you know, for. Something similar to that, and so I liked it because it was a little bit different. Options were a little bit better. However, I do have to say that when you're in the select screen, it's kind of hard to read some of the text sometimes. Mm. So I don't know if maybe the I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a designer, so that's that's not my yeah. Thing. And that's that's part of the problem too. Is yeah. the uh, so I actually have Jinja templates, Jinja two templates that control oh, okay. those boot screens. I, oh, I have okay. a lot of it templated because I wanted okay. to make it a lot of flexible. But the problem with that is you ne- you now need to know two things. You need to know how ISO Linux or really Sys Linux like the boot screen configurations are set up, and you also need to understand the Jinja two language, which isn't yeah. really hard. But if you don't have any experience with it, it, it can be a little bit of a difficulty to grasp. Well, I did find out that if you put a hashtag a hash in front of a comment and or a line in Jinja, then it doesn't count as a comment out. And it right. It anyway. Right. To so comment out in Jinja 2. Yeah. <laughs> to comment out in Jinja 2, you need to enclose it in curly braces and ah. percent sign. Curly and braces and percent sign? Yeah. You open that's it awesome. with a curly brace percent sign and then your comment and then you close it with a percent sign curly brace. That's exhausting. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but it's because it's kind of like a stream-based template, you know? Sure. So it doesn't really have a concept of new lines. And since it's a template engine it has to it assumes that that comment should be in the the sort of final product well i mean it makes sense when you tell me that it's a it's a stream and not really lines like that makes more sense to me that that, you know yeah like it it parses the new line characters but it it reads it in the stream and right but you know more to the point it's a templating engine so it has to it basically makes the assumption that if a line is prefixed with an octothorpe if you will Mm -hmm. that you want that octothorpe in the final product that it's templating out to Right. Rather than, right. yeah. It's a literal translator versus... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, versus a, a interpolation kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So you built the default, which has a lot of packages, by the way. It has a lot. It's a 1.3 gigabyte... Uh... Sounds about right, yeah. And that was a single Arch because Arch yep. Linux finally killed their i686 bootstrap tarballs, and that's what yep. BDisk uses. And Arch Linux, 30, Arch Linux 32 doesn't have bootstrap tarballs yet, so we'll... We'll see how that goes. But, you know, I added support for splitting the two apart. So, Jathan, what did you end up building? So, I am not whiny like you. And I still use System Rescue CD when I need a reliable, trusty, familiar live CD to do stuff and things and stuff. How erudite of you. (laughs) Primarily, I wanted to not not exactly recreate System Rescue CD, Mm. but I basically wanted to make something that was similar in that it contained all the tools I would regularly need. So my requirements for what I built were basically could install Arch or Gentoo from the final product. I wanted to make sure that I had support to mount Windows file systems if necessary. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I threw... Actually, I mean, I think... I shouldn't say threw because I think they're defaults, but... 
Like I definitely made sure like Nmap was in there and some other like Netstat and some other tools like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was basically, I didn't so much worry about what I made. So one of the things that Brent didn't mention is that BDisk is available through Git at git.squareroot.net. You're welcome. Thank you. But also, if you are an Arch user, it's available through the AUR, which is the, uh, actually, I don't know, Arch user repository, Mm -hmm. right? So basically, I installed the first time from the Git one because I actually sort of volunteered myself to write some documentation for the Arch wiki for BDisk, Mm. which I haven't done yet because I only just went through the process for the first time this past weekend. So I wanted to get familiar with the various ways you could go about installing it. So I installed it from Git the first time. And then actually just today, I wanted to install it from the AUR. And I actually had a harder time with that. There were a few things that didn't quite work out for me. So I, you know, work with Brent to get those resolved. And I think now they're in a tagged release, right? Yeah. Yeah. To Jason's credit, they were actual valid bugs. And I did fix the bugs and I pushed a beta release to the AUR. There's a BDisk and a BDisk Git. Both are fixed. Nice. Nice. So at the very base level, though, what you do with BDisk is you download all this source and then you make what is called a build.ini file. And INI just describes a format of the file. Really. Yeah. I mean, it's a common common config for Yeah, yeah. And that's like the bare minimum for building B-Disk or, or your own live CD with B-Disk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I thought that was great, but the one thing that I didn't see a feature for, and this is something I also mentioned to Brent and I think it could be a good idea, is basically having support for building several different live CDs at one time. So maybe you have a couple live CDs or live USB images that you maintain. You want to add something to all of them and then rebuild them. Right now you have to specify or basically copy in the build.ini each time for that. Mm. So I personally would really like to see a script or a a more friendly way to script building multiple at once. Personally, I don't think a lot of people would utilize that, but for the few people who might, I think it'd be a really cool feature to have, and it's not something that's super hard to implement. Yeah, yeah, and that is, I did agree with them there. So I'll probably be adding a single argument where you can just provide a path to a config file. Now, I yeah, when you say at a time, (laughs) that also (laughs) would require me to add locking. Because currently it has well, no locking, and I don't have any experience with with setting up locking in Python. You're talking so locking, be an experience, so it but... doesn't run them all at once. Well, even if you did, yeah, I, I wouldn't want it to run into sort of. I mean, I should add it anyways because if you try and do two runs with the same config currently, it'll let you do that, and it shouldn't. Oh, so. yeah, no, I was more so thinking like you could just make a bash like for loop, or even use like a you know a semicolon or double ampersand. Oh, yeah, like yeah, iteratively, yeah. not at at, yes, the, not yes. at once. Okay, yeah. So next steps for me, though, and I guess my overall impressions, I really like the concept of B-Disc. I'm not the kind of person who spends a lot of time rescuing systems, if I'm being honest. I'm very lucky in that we have clusters and everything's the same. So if something goes wrong, mm. typically, if it's a hardware issue, it gets sent back to the vendor. If it's not a hardware issue, you know, there's some amount of diagnosis, but usually the only thing that really does go wrong is a hardware issue if it's only a single node. And in that case, we send it back to the vendor, mm. they send it to us. I just basically plug it in and it rebuilds itself. So I don't spend a whole lot of time doing sort of rescue operations unless I really fuck something up. That being said, I think everybody should have a go-to live CD that they're familiar with, familiar with the tools. And I think building your own is a great way to ensure that you have the environment that you want, the tools that you definitely know you need, and anything you think might be nice. Mm -hmm. Even being comfortable at the prompt within a shell without having to modify it every time. Like, yeah, yeah, I think that's worthwhile for making your own live CD or live USB image. So definitely some follow up things like 
I do want to follow Brent's instructions also for basically like the sort of phone home VPN scenario, because I think that is Mm. a valuable thing to have available. Oh, it's super useful for headless stuff. That combined with, you know, embedded SSH authorized keys. Yeah, well, it basically allows you to, you know, put your live image into a system, plug it in, turn it on, make sure it boots, and then, you know, you can walk away and you basically already have a way to access that machine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I had thought of a couple of other good use cases. I also would like to spend some time testing out the same build process on a couple of other distributions. And, you know, ultimately, if it's possible, mm-hmm. like I would definitely volunteer to help make packages for other distributions. I'm sure they would never be official yeah. in something like CentOS, but having an RPM <laughs> available that somebody could use would definitely, you know. Yeah. Or at least the other thing. So it is obviously written in Python. Even the capability or the instructions or a script that will automatically create a virtual environment so that when you're done, you can just wipe it out, I think is still a good investment of time. And it's something that, you know, I would certainly, again, I would volunteer to write and whether Brent adopts it or not, or if it's just like a one-off blog post that I make that's like, here's how to run BDISC on CentOS 7 in a Python virtual environment. I think there's a lot of potential, I think. <laughs> so I was joking with Brent. He's been working on this for how long? Well, version one through two was when yeah. bash, and that I did that three, four years. No ago. way! Wow. The Python, yeah, yeah. The Python rewrite was maybe it's maybe a year old, something like. That. I'd have to check my commit. Well, I was joking but, around yeah. back in January about making 2017 the year of B disk. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I see like, and you know, don't take offense to this, but it is a really sort of niche tool, right? Like most people are not going to build their own live CD, but I think it would. But for those who want to, it should be easier. It's it's really hard to find a product that actually tries to do a good job of it. So I do think that it would be very possible to make BDIS sort of the standard for that with enough work and time and effort and documentation and stuff like that. So yeah, I would encourage you to check it out. I would encourage you to think of what a use case would be, even if you do accept the defaults, which are relatively sane in terms of what gets built and what packages are pulled in. I think it's worth doing, but absolutely build your own. Make sure it has the tools that fit your environment at your job or at home or whatever the fuck you want to do. This is America. And if you're not in America, BDIS probably still works. (laughs) By default, I think it builds US and UK. It's just less free. You might be able to install the packages you, you can, want. You can adjust those things. It's less yeah, it fun on you. So, yeah. Not as, not as I much I apologize. That was like a little bit lengthy <laughs> and I didn't really directly answer your question. No, it's, it's good. You know what the image needs to be for just for a joke? Next time you, next time or whatever is, is it needs to be like an eagle holding. Oh my God. Can it actually just be me with like an American flag bandana and like a fucking t-shirt with cut off sleeves? Just... Holding an eagle I mean, in my arms. It would arms. look terrible because it it has to be like a sixteen bit image, so it would look like shit. <laughs> it would look Which terrible is Jathan anyway, so that's why. But yeah, and I've got like Jathan said, you know, he wants to test building on other distros. Now the version one had that working pretty well. It would choke if it wasn't a system D distro, so it required like CentOS seven, Debian, Jesse. Stuff like that. I think that's not so much the case in the Python rewrite, I, but I haven't tried. But as long as you have the Python modules, I don't see why it wouldn't work. It definitely requires Python 3, so that's going to be a limitation in terms of some of them. But, I mean, there's even repositories out there that have Python 3, 4, or CentOS, CentOS 6. So What about 7? 7, I believe it's in Apple. At the Wait, what is least. Python 3? It might be... Okay. Yeah, Python 3, yeah. 4 is in Apple. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. new enough. Is that's, it Python 2 compatible enough. at all or no? I doubt it. I don't think so. I think I do some things like mappings 
and then stuff that doesn't work quite right in Python too. But I haven't tried it, so I guess if anyone wants to experiment and, and would test you that personally out. see any value in maintaining a Python two branch as well? No. You know what? I mean, that's that's a good kind of. Oh, we got. Yeah, we, we got, got time. time. That's why I think it's worth talking about this shit. Let's kind of dip into that. I never really talked about it before because it's the tangent hasn't really come up yet but i'm a firm opposer of writing stuff in python 2 unless it's specifically written for a system that only has python 2 i python 3 has been out for a long and it's time. better and it's better it definitely it is feels better more like a having a fully fuck words it feels <laughs> god damn it feels more it feels like a more yes, complete it feels like a more engine big yeah. programming language i'm not going to say that it's more c-like but you know, things like print where it's actually a function and not a statement, I think it makes a lot more mm-hmm. fucking sense is what I'm trying to say. I'm not even drunk or anything. I'm just an idiot in my goddamn closet. <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> oh, You're my just gosh. a girl in the world. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, no, I, I agree. And I'm not going to stop anyone who wants to try and make a Python 2 port, but it's not something I'd be interested in maintaining. You, you um, should You should stop them. I'll let them do it. <laughs> well, there is valid reasons for still using to. Python 2. It's just that most of the reasons... Name one. I could give you probably like... CentOS 6. 6 is one, but I could give you probably 10 bioinformatics packages that don't have a Python 3 port yet. Well, I mean, just because they don't exist, it doesn't necessarily, you know, validate Python Well, 2, no, but if but... you're going to incorporate those types of tools into a pipeline or something... It doesn't make sense right. to have, yeah. you know, a mix of Python 2 and 3, so you're going to write it all in Python 2. Right. And and that's not the researcher's well, fault. It depends. A lot. I would say like 80 to 90% of Python 3's structure is is compatible with Python 2. Python 2 will allow you to, to execute print like Yeah, well, and of course you have something like 2 to 3. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the the compatibility is a lot better than a lot of people say it is. But if you're going to be writing a new project or even just trying to get something out for mass slash public consumption, I would I would go with three. Absolutely. And so here's the thing. And I think we did talk about in one episode, which we'll find. We did talk about the whole Python 2 versus Python 3 thing. And I don't think, you know, I don't get as heated about it as some people necessarily. But I think that. So many people make these really bogus arguments that I personally don't think Mm -hmm. are good arguments. Like, there are people who have legitimate arguments to go with Python 2. Then there's people who just want to be, like, contrarian, or at least that's how I feel when I read what they're writing. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as someone who likes to be kind of an instigator myself at times, like, I don't support (laughs) other people trying to fucking step on my role in this world. No. So, fuck off with your Python 2 shit, you know? No. <laughs> well, that's like the guy who wrote uh, who wrote uh, Python Learn Python the hard way. He was anti Python three for the. He still is. Time. I thought. He's finally. Well, he finally released a Python three version. Of well, that's just because he wanted to sell but, more shit. Yeah, probably honestly, but he, I guess he just finally gave him to peer pressure. But he had an entire page. Like it was a. It's a long ass page, devoted entirely as to why Python three sucks. And then I, I found, like, one or two counter-arguments to, like, every single point he makes. So <laughs> so they're not really good reasons, and they're all very obscure reasons, too. The ones that had any sort of validity to them were, were super obscure. Like, unless you're doing some really heavy stuff with Python, you're not ever going to encounter anything he even talks about. So, I yeah, long story short, 
I'm no, I'm probably not ever going to port to Python two. Short story long, you mean? Well, no. Long story short is the summation. Uh, so, so in summation, right? Anyways, anyways. <laughs> so back to B disk, I guess. Back to B disk. What? <laughs> I hesitate to ask this because I know there were plenty of them. What issues did you encounter when trying? The goddamn to use thing with the stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Jathan. So I had. I had to build issues, mm-hmm. and it's possible that it was it was a K uh, is the uh, KC it was a KCI error, which is keyboard computer. Or, uh, Peyton keyboard doesn't even know what kind of fucking error he is. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I, I was trying to. There was this one that I saw. It was pretty funny, but I can't remember what it was. I think KCI is what it is. But anyway, the point is, I had some troubles building it. You know, I followed the instructions and I made some changes to the build. That I and I that I thought I could make, and what I should have done is I should have tried to build it first and see if it worked, and then made the changes that I wanted to make. Other than that, I mean, it's you have a lot of documentation. It's it's very obvious that you spent a lot of time, you know, writing down, you know, the things that you feel are important in regards to it, and you know that's impressive to me. And I really liked the options that you dictated, and you laid those options out in such a manner that I really thought I understood, and of course I probably didn't, but I really I felt that I understood those options enough to make changes to it without having to consult something else. You know, like mm. say, Brent, can you explain this option to me? Right. Versus I could read it and say, oh, well, that means that I could do this. And, you know, whether I was wrong or right is, you know, I think more my fault than like yours, if that makes, if that makes sense. I did after after seeing this stuff you pinged before. I did add a little more tweaks to it to make it a little bit more user friendly and okay. idiot proof. So <laughs> there was there was one case where he was he was getting an error message about it, a git repository, and you know I won't go into the details of it. It's it's in the git commit, but in the commit message. But you know the basic the whole point of that was he was trying to tell it to use a git repository that didn't exist uh and you didn't realize that and by the error message you never would have known that that's what was happening so i made some tweaks to hopefully make that a little bit more clear to the user what about you jathan what what issues did you experience well mine were not user error oh my god well no i'm bragging about it i'm just not saying all so them. the first time not i went through and i built it with straight out of git i didn't install a package and i actually mm. had an easier time doing that but i also Obviously, there was something I had done differently because the second time when I tried to install it from the AUR package, I found a bug where the actually the very first location listed where you can put your build.ini file, mine was not being read. Yeah, yeah, that was on me. Yeah, so (laughs) other than that, I didn't really have any issues. There is a lot of documentation. So what I would really like to see is sort of a TLDR sort of quick start. Uh, And I know in this case, I know in this case, like, it's important to understand what you're doing to some extent, but also not for everyone, probably. So I would like to see a quick start. And I also, I know that this isn't your thing, but this is something that my sort of generation, I think, appreciates a little bit more is like a video guide, basically, where you're basically just talking about what you're doing and actually Mm. visually showing someone, you know, I'm editing this file and this is why and whatever. I think personally that while not everyone would find that useful and not everyone would use it. Some people would find it worthwhile, and some people might use it. Also, Brent has just linked to me what is sort of a quick start guide, though it is not labeled as such, and maybe it's a little too quick. Yeah, uh, well. Uh, yes, and he, and he notes <laughs> I mean, here, this should probably be parts. sooner in the manual, since it's like three quarters of the way <laughs> yeah. down the page. Yeah. Or at least a note yeah, that, that says, like, if you don't problem. give a fuck about all this other stuff, 
jump to yeah yeah that being said it is something that i'm excited to continue to play around with and it's something i want to contribute to at least in the sense of documentation and testing so yeah and something payton and jason didn't really get a chance to test but it also has ipc I support which uh, oh you managed to test ipc yeah i baked it in and just sort of fucked around with it on my desktop at work i didn't okay. really like you didn't you didn't push the images to a host or anything and try. No, I wasn't it. really productive with it. Okay. I just wanted to like see if it broke anything really when I enabled it. <laughs> That's one of the features I use a lot, so I would hope it isn't broken. But if you're not familiar with iPixie, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on the show before. But it's like a traditional Pixie setup which I also inherently build support for, but it's like a traditional Pixie setup, except you can run it over the internet and it has things, it has support for things like That's mounting cool. iSCSI drives and uh, pulling a DHCP lease. lease automatically. You can, you can then chain load from normal Pixie to iPixie. Really? Yeah, yeah. You can do a lot of stuff with iPixie. It's really cool. That's cool. So it has built-in support for that. I probably should go into some detail on how to actually set that up in the docs. There's a little bit in there, but... yeah. Yeah, I don't really go too deep into that. And honest to God... But it's it's super yeah. handy. Mostly the docs are already so long, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I like good documentation. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is a lot. So if you go look at it and you're just like, holy fuck, like you don't yeah. have to absolutely read all that. But I think that maybe like even a checklist at the top that says like, these are the bare minimum number of things that you must do to build BDisk would be good. Yeah, I should... Break it up into, like, you must do these things, I highly recommend doing these things, and the rest is optional. Yeah. What I'd like to see is, you know, a, probably a, not necessarily a quick start, I mean, that's a good idea, but also, like, I'd like to see a little bit more of a generic, and then also... Not completely build ready, but you know, I feel like I had to go through and check a lot of options still to build a default without it failing. Now again, that could just be me, and I'd love for you to, you know, prove me otherwise. Yeah, I pretty much built the default without the only thing I had to change was the base path and then that worked. Right. Yeah. Right. The other thing though that I just thought of, and this I think would be an option, like you don't have to do this, but even a quick mm. like, you know, let's say you take the most like common options, maybe five to ten things, and you just ask the user in a prompt, like, what should this value be? What should this value be? Do you want iPixie support? Yes or no? So that it will spit out yeah, a build.ini for them then. Yeah. Yeah, I I know the config parser can write INI files, but I, really, I mean, I guess if I'm prompting them, I don't even need to spit out the INI. But it'd be it'd be nice for subsequent subsequent builds. But and the other the other thing that I want to mention is that your it says that there's a build.ini, but when you look, it's a dist.build.ini, yeah. and I mean that's like if you're looking for it and you don't think to put something like a wildcard before that, you're, you're not going to find it. You know, and you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah, once I figured out that it was disk.build.ini, that wasn't a problem. I knew where it was, but it was the leading up to that. Like, I'm looking for it. I had no idea where it was. I created it. I copied from the sample. And then, you know, I, I looked at it. I was like, oh, what's this disk? And oh, crap. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the disk. That's probably user error. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a convention I guess I rely too heavily upon. You see a lot of it in, like, web apps, like sure. Mantis BT, for instance, supplies, like, sure. a, a dist-config.php. And then you have to copy that to config.php and then edit it the, the way you want. So I, I probably should clarify that a, a little bit in the preamble for the, the build.ini file section. But, yeah, 
I mean, it'll it'll try and read the dist.build.any if it can't mm-hmm. find a regular build.any. Right. And well, that maybe... should build that should build a fully functional ISO okay. with all the defaults. But, you know, it's going to choke if that base path is different. Sure. So, sure. And for those listening who are like, what the hell? What are you talking about with base path? Base path is one of the configuration options. It basically tells BDisk where to find itself, which sounds like <laughs> kind of strange to hear, but... That's kind of necessary for packaging, for like distro packagers and stuff. So yeah, I had to add that support in. But I mean, the criticisms that I have are, I mean, they're minute. I think it's, you know, like I said, it's well documented. It's very well done. Mm. It's, you know, I think you've done a pretty fantastic job of, of setting it up for people to have and use. And I mean, honestly, you know, I, once I get a good setup going, I'm, I fully intend to use it for, you know, whatever purposes I can. Cool. So. And 303, version 3.03, should be a lot easier to use. It's, oh, it's a lot less error-prone because I fixed everything. And if you find... Fixed or addressed. If you find a bug, I'm sure this is in the documentation, but bugs.squareroot.net. It is indeed in the documentation. <laughs> because uh, what isn't? I mean, the thing is, and I just want to say this, I mean... You know, you've really laid out, like, what everything does, too. And I was really impressed to see the directory structure. Like, I'm looking at the directory, like, where's this? Where's this? Oh, okay, you know, there's this. So, really, I mean, you know, don't beat yourself up with any of this. Like, please don't think that. Yeah, no, I know I put a lot of time into this. But, you know, it it comes down to, like, I'm going to miss some stuff. I'm one guy developing this. Sure, sure. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you did it good. I think you did you did a good job. So well, thanks. Don't you know? Don't think that I'm like ragging on you. Yeah, I think, <laughs> no. You know, I mean, you're not Jthon, so you know. Oh my gosh. Fine. I mean, if you want to be like that, I'm going to make JDisk. <laughs> JDisk. Make JDisk. You, Actually, you could. I'm just going to focus so, on so Jaml. Jaml. Yeah, you need to get that oh out. Oh There's a callback for you. Jaml. I'll link to the episode where he talks about oh. Jaml. That was that was can what? We, can the, we just? Uh, we just like you know off the show. He actually started working on a spec for Jamal. Oh, he did. Didn't get very oh, far, great. but I yeah. did. I've been thinking about it. <laughs> did it get to? I don't even think you wrote it. No, down. I do. I have a loose but... set of guidelines. Oh my god, you've got a loose set, all right. Okay. Anyway. Well, then someone would have to write the parsing. I could do that, too, but yeah. probably in Python. Sure. <laughs> Python would be you pretty know, easy. So, so the next thing I'll say to people who are t- or maybe on the fence about it is, you know, if, you, if you're curious about it, just give it a try. I mean, you can't do worse than I did. So, <laughs> yeah. And the more the more people who try it, the more bug reports I get, which means the better it gets. Assuming I they're actually bug actually bugs, I guess. Um, good good bug reports. Yeah, yeah, good bug reports. And I know there's a lot in there, but. I'll say it right now. I will know if you didn't read the docs and I will point to you the exact section in the docs where it talks about what issue you're having if it's not a valid bug. So no, (laughs) I do do that. So please read the docs because I spent a lot of time on them and yeah, they're extensive, but it's for a good reason. B-Disc is deceptively small in lines. I think it's only like 5k lines total, but it does a lot and it's, it's very complex in how it's configuration is driven so there's a reason why the, the documentation is so extensive yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah so how about the united airlines flight huh <laughs> oh my god let's not talk about that oh oh i also want to mention so not only do i want to test different distros for the host build but i've been trying to figure out a way to do different distros for the guest build like the finished product because not everyone yeah. likes arch and that's fine if you don't yeah i, I know people who don't 
Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that don't. Just ask on our channel and you'll find at least three, probably more. But Taters, you suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's there's a couple of them. But yeah, so like I've said, I'm trying to figure out a, a good way of adding in support for different guest distros. So in other words, you'd be able to like use an Arch machine to build a CentOS live CD or use a CentOS machine to build a SUSE live CD or whatever. Now that I'm interested in because I was thinking about the project, mm. you know, you asked us to work on it, build it. And I was thinking, man, it'd be great if I had something. I mean, I've got this on a couple of different flash drives, but it'd be great if I had something that I could select like CentOS or I could select like Debian or whatever, or SUSE, or even like extreme like AIX or whatever, you know, but it would pull down and, and do and, and Well, here's where part of that issue is. So BDisk won't run on FreeBSD because some of the Python modules and some of the, you know, some of the tools that it needs. And it okay. will not be able to build non-Linux OSs. So I wouldn't be able to do AIX because first of all, there, like there's there's just no way. And second of all, it sure. needs to CH root in to set up the live environment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And well, now, now that I know that, it's... It, yeah, you, you know. can't CH root from Linux to AIX or from Linux to BSD. BSD does have support from CH rooting in from BSD to Linux, but like I said, BDisk doesn't run on FreeBSD, so it's a moot point anyways. Sure. So there is that. And of course, the boot process differs i don't have support obviously for like arm based stuff because they handle booting an entirely different way so okay. I, I doubt if i'd ever be able to get something like that in there and i don't think really like the hard part is like i wouldn't want to give default options to select the guest distro because number one how do i pick which guest distros to support and number two sure. it's just too much fucking work so it's it's a modular system. I'm working on it. You can actually see the the beginnings of it in Master Master's head, but it's sort of like a pluggable module system. It's not in the actual. It's not sourced in the actual code yet. But I don't know. I still got to think of a better way of doing it, and I might retool how I do it now. The Bash version, I know for yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I know for a fact you could build on multiple hosts distros, but it only supported an Arch guest. And the other thing that requires support for a, a guest distro, because of just the way it, it handles things, is they need to release like a bootstrap tarball. Arch definitely does this. Most of them do, surprisingly. Debian does. Yeah. Uh, I believe CentOS does. If not, though, I mean, you you can literally do it with a Docker container tar bootstrap tarball. You know, so like a lot of people release those kind of tarballs, even if they're third party, they should still work. So that's that's not really the hard part. The hard part's going to be actually making it smart enough to know which distro to pick sure so we'll see how that goes well i mean my difficulties aside i'm willing to be a test dummy so to speak i mean i have centos and ubuntu here in my in my esxi so you know yeah. I mean, if you really need someone to test something i mean i have no problems and you've got uh the suze at work not that i'm suggesting that you test it on like a production system no i will absolutely no it's not part <laughs> yeah i'll get right on that yeah don't do that but yeah i mean if you've got a particular distro that is not arch and you would like to test by all means you know get in touch with me I, there's a section in the docs of course about how to contact me so you can use that i'll of course link to the docs and directly to the git repo it's also mirrored on github but it's not the primary mirror it's not the primary repository so i wouldn't rely on the github repo he hates github he hates i hate it. github hate it hates it hates it I hate it but you have it's GitLab. you have git at home you use git at home well, I don't use GitLab. I use Git Lite combined with CGit for git.squareroot.net. 
the reason I put it on GitHub though is because a lot of people search there first. And even on on the repo, I say this is not you know go here for bugs. Don't use fucking GitHub issues. Those people suck. Just so you know. Well, I, I disable issues from it too, so uh-huh. so they have no choice but to go to bugs.squareroot.net. But uh-huh. yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's better for SEO and stuff because it's it's fucking GitHub, you know. So it's a necessary sure. evil, but I hate GitHub, hate it. So that's why I don't hate rely it. on it. Anyways, I hate uh, it too any, because you hate it. <laughs> any closing remarks on on BDisk or anything you wanted to add, subtract, nullify? I would like my time back, please. <laughs> I think J thought. I'd I like think to subtract my time. Personally. Reverse. You can't. Boop, Sorry, dude. Boop, boop, boop. I don't know, man. Like it's my backing up noise. You're. You said your uh, your first build worked fine. It so did. No, I'm not actually I think complaining. That, I'm kind I, of. Just I don't being think that lets you, you like know. the Python two people. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. You're an asshole. Do you drive uh, too slow in yep. the super fast lane, Jaython? Okay. Do you okay? Do you drive by yourself in the carpool? Yeah, lane? and I beat my horn the whole time. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He absolutely does. Oh I guarantee you, he does. He would. God absolutely damn it, Jathan. Yeah. God damn it, Jathan. Pretty much. All right. You suck, Jathan. All right. Yeah. Baddy. High energy. Do it. Baddie. Okay, so Baddie. I do not want to get into a not high energy enough. shut the fuck up. I don't want to get into a large political sort of discussion here because that's not what we're about. Let him do his thing. He's working in it. But in any case, (laughs) I'm sure the last episode we talked about how your privacy is now basically nothing, but it never was anything, so you're really not actually missing anything, and that's that. That being said, (laughs) people are going insane. People are going crazy on the internet. People are like... We must use a VPN because now my ISP can sell my data. And what's stupid as shit about this is your ISP could always sell your data and now they just can continue to. And second of all... Well, no, now now they can do it legally. Well, it was never illegal. Yeah, there was an explicit act no, for it. No, there was an explicit yeah, act sure. that was not yet in effect. That's the thing. Uh, it was not yet in effect. I don't care. I Look it up, you fucknut. It, it, we're, we're getting in the gray area No, here we're not, because, because it was it's... not yet actually in effect. Very gray. No, 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 we are. It it wasn't very in effect, gray. but before that, there wasn't anything explicitly saying they were well, allowed yeah, to. Yeah, but everyone knows if it doesn't it would say you can't. You could still you bring it to court. So anyway, you could still I don't bring care. It to court, I'm talking now. Point. So, okay. everybody's <laughs> freaking the fuck out right now. They're like, we need to use a VPN because we need to protect our traffic. Let me tell you why. Although I've kind of shut the hell up. Let me tell you... No, no, no. I, I just oh, want to say, I kind of that? noticed that the hype has died down a bit. I, thank God, because someone needs to die down. So, <laughs> oh my God. here's why this is bullshit and stupid, <laughs> it's and it, it's going to lead into the baddie. So pissy. Sass, sass is right. <laughs> tell us, Jason. Sass is sass. Sing it, boy. Sing it. First of all, who is to say that you can trust a VPN provider any more than your ISP to not sell your data? I would trust Foxy Proxy. I'm not getting into thank that. Thank you. I appreciate Anyway... That. But also, realistically, it is not really practical to use a VPN for everything all the time, especially when, in fact, you can essentially just go to websites that use SSL and achieve a similar effect in some cases. Sort of. Because there's still there's still a trail that you've gone to that website, but how you interacted with that website is not necessarily clear to your ISP. Depending. Depending. I said depending. 
Okay. I said depending. All right. All right. No, there I, are some cases. Okay. I would. I would disagree. I don't care with that, how you feel. Actually, this is not therapy. I, I work for a VPN and provider. I work for. <laughs> your your I mom work for cares. How I so feel. anyway, we're coming back. To I don't care. So anyway, this is a. <laughs> This is a baddie that's going to an illegitimate company with illegitimate people working there that you should illegitimately definitely talk to. So. (laughs) Use Signal, use Tor. The the (laughs) name of this article is The Importance of Trust and Integrity in a VPN Provider and How My Safe VPN Blew It. It is a long fucking article with pictures and all kinds of shit. But essentially, after this whole thing was blowing up, there was this company, My Safe VPN, that sent a bunch of emails to people, primarily people who were Plex users, and also... No, no, no. I'm reading it, all right? So, people who were Plex users and people who were who were oh, Boxy right. users. And... I don't even know what Boxy is. Boxy you know was, boxy. I think, some sort of privacy suite to begin with. Like, oh, right, right, right. Um, I, know it's, so, I know what Boxy yeah. is now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Boxy had a breach in 2014. Plex had a breach in 2015, which is how these email addresses were attained in the first place. But these MySafeVPN mm. people essentially are offering this really shitty, dodgy, sketchy, arguably non-existent VPN service, which people were eating up. But on top of it, they kept saying they were associated with Plex and Boxy and all this stuff. Their website, if you go to it, they've basically talking about all these certifications they have and stuff. And all these companies have come out and said, we don't know these people. We don't endorse these people. These people don't have any certification that has to do with us. <laughs> There's so many holes in the story. They also have their address listed online. And if you go to Google Maps, you type in the address and you look at their place where they're at. It's like a restaurant in Canada. So so yeah. there are yeah. basically like browsers are now blocking this website and like companies and their corporate firewalls are blocking this website. Don't use my safe VPN. Browsers are blocking I don't know about that. I, I just sort <laughs> of said that. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> In well, any case, well, I'm, I'm scrolling Go through all these time. pictures, and it says high-risk website block, so I assume that's either by a browser. It looks like it's so close is doing that, so I, antivirus, I, whatever. Is there, a, is there a guy with a hoodie holding a laptop up? So in any case, <laughs> this right, has been right. really long, Get and I'm point. rambling, but that's what always happens with the baddie. <laughs> and all that to say, my safe VPN isn't real. Those motherfuckers give VPN providers a worse name than they probably already had. You shouldn't use my safe VPN. <laughs> you probably should use somebody else. And you're getting a baddie, you motherfuckers. Proxy, because proxy. even if you're trying to scam people, you're so bad at it that your scam is shitty. Baddied. Wow. Okay. Get fucked. Wow. Shit. I feel, <laughs> Get I feel fucked, good about nerd. That. So if you read the Twitter thread thread on this, it is absolutely hilarious. They're like, we're not related to, oh, like, yeah. we're not related to Plex. I mean, just all kinds of... like. Yeah, Plex was extremely upset about the issue. They tweeted all day basically saying, like, we have nothing to do with these motherfuckers. This this is not us. Nice. This is Jathan, not us. Yeah, my my save VPN was a good example of how to not PR. But, Jathan, here's what I wanted to say. I would still recommend a VPN over strictly relying on oh HTTPS i would too because Same. they're well, that's not no i didn't say i recommend not using a vpn or i don't recommend a vpn i just said no, in many you, cases you the said... amount of data that your isp yes. is going to be able you to gather said... when you visit a site that's you fully said... encrypted using ssl is mm-hmm. going to be much less and in a lot of cases that will probably suffice to protect you from any you know yes they will know you visited the website i, 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 I don't think you should i don't think you should say that because people are going to believe People can do their own fucking research. I'm here giving you my opinion. So if you disagree, that's fine. I don't really care. Shove it up your ass. But the point is... (laughs) 
in most cases, like, you go visit a website, it has SSL, you log in, you keep interacting by way of SSL. Like, the most your ISP is going to see from that transaction or your visit to that site, your session, is potentially the length of time you spent there and just to know that you visited the website in the first place, but they're not going to know what you did there. Well, they can uh, get some smart ideas, but also, did you... I'm guessing you're not aware of the ISP that that did SSL injections. Verizon? Was it Verizon? I think it was Verizon. In either case, though, that's really fucked up, and most (laughs) ISPs don't do that. (laughs) The point is, it happened. I'm not saying don't use a VPN. Please don't use a VPN. And that doesn't happen. No, no, no. It doesn't happen with the VPN. And I would still recommend a VPN over at, over TLS. So how do you know that your VPN provider is not selling your information? You because don't. They... But that's, I, I mean, a lot of that's just, you can ask them directly. Especially right now with this fucking hype. Yeah, but they're going to, of course, give you an answer that you want to hear. So don't my guess is you would have to actually read through some sort of documentation or whatever that they had or a contractor or policies or whatever. But it, yeah, I mean, the, the privacy policies yeah, are yeah, absolutely. Nobody bothers but reading them. The but they Thing, here you is, should because they're admissible in yeah. court. But the big thing here too is just the simple fact that even if you're going to use a VPN, you damn well better be sure that you're choosing one that is reliable and reputable and real and not my safe VPN. Yeah, yeah, I can I can get behind that statement. But I mean, VPN support a much higher in- encryption suite than. No, no, I don't disagree with that. You know, it, it, it I, don't, I said I don't disagree I with that. Our, but. Oh, I thought you said I no, don't no, no. agree but, with that. But I'm also just saying, like, okay. in general, it's not practical for most people mm. to tunnel all of their traffic over a VPN all the time. Sure. Yeah. I would say a lot of that's paranoia driven. But, and by the way, I know I work for a VPN provider, so it seems counterintuitive for me to say this. But if the reason you're using a VPN is to sort of circumvent that monitoring, you're actually making yourself a bigger target. So do just keep that in mind. But uh, same thing well, with Tor. Same thing with Tor. Right, we you don't know, like what is it? Six of seven uh, Tor exit nodes are being monitored by. Uh, oh, I wasn't even order. speaking to that specifically. I wasn't even speaking to that. I was more so saying, right, if your ISP is contacted by the NSA and they're like, "Look, we need the traffic from this dude," and they see you sending VPN traffic to a certain number of IPs, and that's like your only traffic, that looks a lot more suspicious than sure selectively routing a couple routes through it. Also, so. Do keep that in mind. The other thing is people seem to think that there's like these extensions now for Firefox and Chrome that supposedly generate background noise. They just keep refreshing a tab and going to random websites and shit. That is absolutely asinine because they are computer algorithms. Shit don't work, yo. And anybody who's actually interested in your traffic is going to be able to sort through that noise for one. There's a whole number of uh... articles about why it's a fucking piss poor idea. So just don't waste your fucking bandwidth. Jesus Christ. Yeah, don't. I I would say don't rely on the browser at all for security, but or, or privacy, I should say. Well, yeah, like the, I, I have what, what's it called? The, the NSA thing. The, the X. I have no idea. I mean, they basically can search. It it builds like a sort of profile for a person, a digital profile, and they can search. It doesn't matter how much background traffic you generate. The whole point of like Prism and stuff like that is so they can easily filter out the junk that they don't want. Yeah. So like you're so, not really doing anything. <laughs> So. I, I've got something that I've actually got. Uh, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about security. Were you listening it's to actually us? actually a security podcast. Yes, I listen to us every time it comes out. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a security podcast. And mm. the gentleman's on the gentlemen that were on there were saying, well, I have a Linux VM that's just a bare bones Linux 
VM on Ubuntu that I use for my banking and everything. And I'm like, that's not secure. You're not inherently secure because you're using Linux, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're spreading information that's incorrect because you're saying that Linux is more secure than Windows. And you are you just have the bare bones basic Ubuntu install. That's not even close to being what you need to do to be secure, you know? I will grant, it does protect against some certain things. Some. Like, some. Trojan, like the 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 Trojan ads, the sure. the use case we see there, that'd be a good sure. a good use case you could prevent against using a Linux VM. Sure, but but if the host is compromised, Origin, you know, yeah, and if, or if the host is compromised, or if you're not sure. doing any extra work to secure that Linux VM, it's, right? Oh boy, I'm yeah. feeling ranty. If now. you really right, want to be good about it, thing. yeah, no. Well, it's it's probably because we're. I mean, we're, wow, we actually. Are, yeah, uh, but I got um, one more thing. A little bit. There's hot. also these. Dumb fucking yeah. campaigns on, like, Kickstarter and shit. Probably not Kickstarter, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, GoFundMe. Like, oh, let's buy the browsing history of the Congress people who did this to us. Not gonna happen. Not gonna Stupid happen. fucking notion. Yeah. It's not like you can just call an ISP and be like, I want the data for this person and I'll give you a million dollars. It doesn't work that way. The ISPs most likely are, well, are collecting might, but, aggregate yeah. data. Like, this region filled mm-hmm. with, you know, predominantly this type of people with this kind of income are primarily looking at these types of products. Like, it's for advertising and shit like that. Does it still matter? Yeah, it's still an important thing, and we should still give a fuck, and we should still, I don't know, do something about it. Like, hopefully, you know, get smarter about voting. But in any case, don't contribute your money to stupid fucking ideas uh, like that either. Okay, you're telling people to get smart about voting, and that's that's, that's not going to happen. I mean, I know. Well, well, hold on. So, Jason, the other side of that is there's no explicit protection against ISP. No, no. Absolutely true. I'm just saying that realistically, I'm not going to be able to call Comcast tomorrow and be like, I have a million dollars. Give me Brent's browsing history. It's just not going to happen like that. Especially since I don't use Comcast. Yeah, I know. Well, I would really fuck with them that way. (laughs) Well, you know. (laughs) I need this information from a customer you don't have. I wonder at what point your copper goes over. Anyway, I'm rambling. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, yeah, it, it's important to keep in mind now that we don't have a protection against that, and that's yeah. that is important to keep in mind. Yeah, I think it's it's been overhyped. Realistically, they're they probably only want aggregate data from the ISPs. I mean, that otherwise that's a shit ton of data, and they don't want to have to filter all that out. You, you know who that. I think we should call out is OS Writer. I think he should he should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's and to be clear, I'm not he trying he's a good, to a good person. I am. I'm this. not trying to downplay it because I do think it's an important issue. I just think that you have to go about. Trying to affect change in a meaningful way, and I think you have to realize the actual ramifications and not overinflate it, such that you're misfocusing. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I, I definitely agree with that. That's a good, a good statement to make on that. And like you said, I, I don't think we're going to be able to buy people's data like they're saying we are. And I saw those messages too, and I was just like, "Are you fucking serious? Like, there's no way that they're going to let us buy freaking Diane Feinstein's fucking browsing history. Like, they just they're not going to do it." You know, no. they don't care enough to, or it's not possible. I mean, it's just not, it's not possible. The, the point is, if they do make it available for sale, it should be, it should be at the, available, the same information should be available at the same price to civilians or sure. individuals or what have you then, as it is to corporations and stuff like that. Sure. So I agree. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't, we, we could probably spend a whole yeah, other episode I mean, on that, but we're, we're not about that a little anyway, bit late. really. Yeah. I, I'm kind of sick about talking about it in general. Yeah. I got a little <laughs> ranty there. I Anyways. I don't apologize for saying mean things no, about right. my safe VPN. Fuck those motherfuckers. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, they they definitely get my industry. Yeah, and if you're listening, my safe VPN. Fuck you. Such a fucking train wreck. Just read that t- that Twitter feed, man. Yeah. Such a fucking train wreck. It's I just mean, terrible. Anyways. The things they were saying were... Anyway, yeah. Anyways, this has been Sysit Minutes Trivia. I'm Brent. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Pete. See ya.